You're listening to The Report Card. I'm your co-host, Scott Dworkin. And I'm your co-host, Rand Stern. And this is our first show on the call-in platform. Uh, the Report Card is a commentary show about contemporary American politics and international affairs with your hosts, myself and Scott, where we grade what we're seeing in the news each week and we take your questions too. What are you thinking about today? What concerns you in American politics today or in the world? We're here to discuss it, and this is the report card. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself, my friend? I'm doing excellent. I'm ready to dive in. There is so much going on in the world right now, and I think that we almost have to start with like the number one trend on Twitter, which is what's happening with Twitter? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I've been asking a lot of folks about that today, and obviously there's a heavy response. Uh, that, uh, j- just just for anybody who, who's missed it, uh, Elon Musk invested uh, into Twitter and became the largest shareholder, and now he has made a, an official offer to buy uh, Twitter, and Twitter has responded in saying that they're considering the offer uh, now, in response to that, uh, leaving Twitter is now trending worldwide. Um, so, you know, Grant, I'm not sure how you feel about this. I've always, it's always tough, especially when you don't, you don't want uh, one party to take over an entire platform, but at the same time, you know, you don't want uh, someone to be able to bully someone uh, into doing something. And I, I just feel as if since Jack left, it lost that kind of flavor of the community a little bit and Elon Musk is trying to use that to maybe knock the guy off the platform that wants to post about his plane flights. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to do here. Do you think he's actually trying to buy it like for real? You know, I I think he is trying to buy it for real. Um, The thing is, is that like I just tweeted a little while ago, why, why does he want to take his eyes off of going to Mars just to buy Twitter? You know, right. It's like, doesn't he have bigger fish to fry than just buying up Twitter? Uh, what's what's I mean, his intentions are kind of everything here. And, um, you know, they offered him a seat on the board and it didn't work out. He says he wants to take it private. And, of course, taking it private would mean that he could just do whatever he wants. I mean, right. And, and our number one, you know, our n- number one concern overall is having a terrorist rejoin uh, the the feed in, in Twitter and that being Donald Trump. And so I, I I would be concerned about that because when you started talking about freedom of speech and the limits of it, you know, we can start off with, well, do you think it's okay for people to incite an insurrection? Do you think it's okay for people to use uh, Twitter to hurt people, uh, you know, with violent rhetoric and inspiring violence? And that's what he did for years. You know, he did that across the world. People paid for it. He destroyed people's lives. You know, we know people personally that he destroyed you, you know, at the stroke of a tweet. And just so everybody knows, um, he didn't write all his tweets. Just let's be clear about that. A lot of it was strategic, even with strategic sort of typos and everything with it. Um, So it's not as, you know, it's not him sitting on the toilet, sitting there tweeting all the time. Uh, a well, lot I'm of sure some of them came from the Golden Thrones. Some of them did. Some of them did. And those ones you can tell. Those ones where you have things that aren't capitalized that should be and some misspellings that are too stupid for people to be able to you know, think that it can relate to people. 
Um, but, you know, a lot of them, he doesn't upload videos. He doesn't know how to upload even photos. So uh, I remember the one time I, I was I was covering this and uh, he was tweeting. There's a picture of him that he was trying to prove that he used his Twitter himself and he was using his pointer finger to tweet. And it just made no sense to me because nobody does that. Um, so it was just interesting enough uh, um, to, to see that. But I, I don't want him back on the platform. No one wants him back on the platform on on our side for sure. I'm not sure if the right wants him back on this platform except to distract from everything that they're doing that's terrible right now, um, You know, which, uh, which leads us into – I wanted to make sure that I brought this up before – uh, we get too far into it. <laughs> one of my best you've friends. You've gone the, way past Elon oh, Musk here. <laughs> sure, sure. One of my best friends in the entire world, as you know, uh, we ran. Uh, if people don't know already, Grant and I ran this campaign to remove uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene from Congress, and that resulted in an introduction of a bill to remove her from her committees, which they did. Uh, it, I think that that was the right move. Then she got removed uh, from Twitter from her non-official account, her personal account. And she still has her official account, and she, she doesn't abuse it as much. But um, outside of that, she decided to say this, Grant, that joining the U.S. military is, quote-unquote, like throwing your life away. What the hell is she talking about, and why is – what an attack okay, on the okay, U.S. military? Okay, so wait a second. Uh, you know, I think we all give her an F for that uh, comment and not for effort. But we didn't wrap up on, on Elon Musk at all. Okay. Like gloss over that's, it. Yeah, that's a great segue from Elon Musk to everything but Elon Musk. Let's talk about Elon here. I mean, this is an unusual uh, tender to say the least. What do you think about the fact that he's offering fifty-four twenty per share, just so he could offer four twenty a share? I mean, you know, it, it was in the seventies. What right? grade do you give that? Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's like a, it's like a B minus because because it, it's something they have to consider. Given, given it was in the 30s and it was in the 70s before, and they know that, you know, they're looking at their pocketbooks and they're like, well, you know, we were evaluated at $58 a share, so now we're going to, you know, he's giving us a fair offer. Um, so they, they have to consider, they can't not consider it. If it was like 35 bucks a share, they'd pass it. But, like, I think they have to consider this. So he gave them basically the bare minimum that they would have to consider. That's what I see it as. Okay, so I'm going to give him an A-plus on the offer price. Because it's 420. Yeah. And, oh, that, I, mean, well, yeah I appreciate that. that, that I appreciate that. And, and also, I'm, I'm going to just right. tell you this. Like, you know, the fact that they were at 70 last year and he's offering the, you know, he's like, oh, it's a big premium. But it's also like a big discount to where they were. So he's kind of like, hey, I'm going to make this very public offer. Um, but I think that what he's really looking to do here, at least in the short term, he, he's going to drive the price up by making these kind of offers. Right. And, um you know, the, the 420 thing is not an accident either because that's what he uh, infamously tweeted and then got sanctioned by the federal government for tweeting. Right. 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 Uh, so, uh, you know, he's sending some sort of uh, coded Elon Musk signals here. And I think that there's some good humor in it, at least. At least. If nothing else comes out of it, it that's funny. And also for him as an investor, it's like it's a good play. I mean, he's offering – a pretty low price for a great asset if he could buy it. Right. So, and, and the, 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 uh, just to remind folks, I, I think people can raise their hands or how, how does it work? Grant, people can press a oh, button yeah. and then you, they can, uh, you press a button and you can call in and then we can take your questions. And, uh, and then what, what I want you to do is the, the, the theme of the show, we're the report card. So ask us to give a grade to a public figure 
or an organization for what they are doing on a matter of public importance that's happening right now. Next caller is Sam. Sam, Sam Jones. <laughs> Sam Jones, the infamous Sam Jones. Hit the uh, unmute button in your bottom left. I am real. I do exist. Uh, Yes, people people wonder if you are real because who is this Sam Jones character that um, has worked with us for a while? Introduce yourself, Sam. I'm Sam Jones. I'm out of North Texas. I've worked uh, with Scott on various projects over the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, something like that. Um, and my question today, I want to know your rating, your grade for Greg Abbott this week. And obviously, I, I know you have a, a threshold for how low you can go, but, but tell me a little bit about your thoughts about um, the border mishap and then his um, busing of, of folks to D.C. this week. Grant, you want to take this one? I mean, my Start grade for with... Greg Abbott is pretty much the same all the time, and it's an F minus. The guy right. does not care. I mean, every time I think of Greg, Greg Abbott nowadays, I think of him playing the fiddle while the coronavirus filled up hospitals and not only did he do nothing, but he stopped everybody from mitigating the coronavirus. To me, that's Greg Abbott's like, you know, amazing grace on the Titanic moment where the band just plays on. Uh, right. I mean, it's just like abdicating all responsibility. And when he does take responsibility to do something like this busing mishap, it, it, the cruelty is always the point. It's it's just that's that's who these people are. It, right. It's really a shame that uh, Texans have voted for someone like this to be their governor. And it, it's just so accelerated over the last several years. Greg Abbott used to present himself like some sort of moderate and reasonable person. And uh, I'll never forget one other thing. I'll never forget about Greg Abbott is that he was the attorney general for the state of Texas when Trump University was operating there, his un uh, associates, like his underlings, his uh, subordinates, uh, the prosecutors of the attorney general in Texas wanted to prosecute Trump University as a scam. And Greg Abbott took a $25,000 donation from Trump and stepped in and made a political decision not to prosecute. Right. It seems like there's a pattern of these things happening. And Trump that doesn't write is a what check. I like the least. Trump does not, as you and I have investigated before many, many times, is Trump does not write a check without something on the back end, obviously, especially if it's a check that... that uh, we don't need to the, investigate that. He says it. No, no, no. I'm saying that we did. That we did. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for years. Remember? Remember the years that we investigated every check he wrote? I forgot all of that. <laughs> well, we black it out from our brain by choice. So, you so know? Scott, what's your grade for Greg Abbott? Incomplete. No, uh, I, I, it's an F-. Incomplete? Well, he he didn't he didn't finish the project. He, he can't even fail right. You know what I mean? Like he did follow through with his entire bus ride. Um, you know, it it just like failed. You know, it sat there. He did not expect the White House to respond with the press release and also at the podium. Um, and uh, Jen Psaki just just went ahead and, and lit him up all the way. Um, and I have a, a short uh, clip here. Oh, I don't know if we'll be able to play it or not, but. Uh, if if you have it on your phone, I think we could play it. Uh-oh, it looks like Scott has gone into moderator hell. 
Oh god. I tried to play that, the clip and he I disappeared. I tried to play the clip and it disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll try that again. <laughs> well, anyway, she 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 called it a publicity stunt. And and you know, we need these kind of uh takedowns and and I appreciate Jen Saki. I'm sure going to miss her, you know, when she when she uh leaves soon and uh that's not going to be enjoyable. No, that is not going to be cool when Jen Saki leaves. Um but at least we'll yeah. have her on a, a station somewhere, and she'll be, you know, free to speak, uh, you know, in in any way that she needs to. Um, so you know that that I do appreciate as well. Well, I think that there's something about what you mentioned here, like her response, that's kind of important. Which is that instead of just responding, she said, "Look, this is what they're really trying to do here. This right. is a stunt. This is you know seeking attention." And that's the kind of debunking that we need to focus on, you know, not just saying he's bad for doing this. It's like, yeah, he's doing it recording in progress. He's doing it on purpose. And, you know, unfortunately, like we're paying for it. Yeah. We, the taxpayers are paying for it, especially the taxpayers of Texas. But I mean, everybody has a stake in our government. You know, what the governor in Texas does, hey, there's millions and millions of tax dollars that go into Texas, you know, and then he's administering it. Like, right. no government acts by itself in America. We have mixed government here. Right. Um, you know, we have four, three or four different levels of government everywhere you go, you know, federal, state, county, sometimes city, right? And it's just these people are wasting our time, our resources, our money, and most importantly, our attention. Right. Uh, let's take the next caller. Yeah, you ready? yeah, Amanda, Amanda Finley. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to add you to the. Here we go. There you go, Amanda. How are you today? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Good to see Doing you, Scott well. Grant. Yeah, thanks great for so. thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Oh, what gladly. what is your what is your question for today? Oh, I'm sure you know where this is going with China in an uproar. 85% of our cases being BA2, how would you grade the CDC? Ooh, that's a good Ooh. one. And, and I think Grant can start off with that one because uh, I'm not sure if you know, but Grant uh, found co-founded or how, however Masks Now, which uh, sent out uh, hundreds of thousands of masks across the country to doctors and nurses and patients um, that were handmade when Trump stopped the production of masks and refused to make masks and send masks out to people. And he actually worked with, uh, I guess, in part with the CDC at that point. Um, but that, I don't think that that's going to affect his, his grade of it. My opinion, just in short, is a C on the messaging, a D in regards to the mask and, and vaccination push as to how it's kind of you know lost the flow of the balloon. So I have not been happy in regards to how they've approached things. I think they should be much more aggressive or at least be more vocal about how aggressive they, they should be. A lot of doctors are very concerned about their approach right now. Um, and so it, it, it's it's tough because people are you know protesting in one way for no reason whatsoever. And, and some people have just given up on the unvaccinated. And I don't think we should ever do that. But Grant, what do you think that their their grade should be? So that's a great question, Amanda. Um, you know, it's not an easy grade to give out because on a lot of levels, there's a major improvement uh, now that we have some new leadership at the CDC. But on other levels, unfortunately, 
um, from what I understand, there's some on-the-job training going on at the CDC as well in the upper ranks. And it's difficult when you have a leader who is not uh, living in the same city as the agency they're leading. Um, that's tough, okay? And that's the difficulty of being a public servant. That's why it's so special when people serve the public because they tend to have to give up their former life to serve the public during these times of being the head of a major agency. And I think that we need someone who is going to really be able to do that. And if they can't, then it's it's troublesome. So I feel like we need to grade the agency and the leader a little bit separately and grade the leader on a curve also because it's an incredibly tough job and made even worse by the media's reaction to things and made even 10 times worse by the predecessors. You see, public health is all about public relations. And I would say that it just makes it so difficult for the new leadership after the old leadership did so many things that were, <clears throat> let's say, bowing to the pressure of politics over the demands and dictates of science. So, I mean, I, I really want to be fair uh, with these kind of grades, but I would say that the leader of the CDC deserves a C minus. The agency deserves a C plus. And Interesting. it's just that, you know, the failures that happened in the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, I'd say that you can still say 80% of them belong to Trump, right? But the other 20, and, and when I say Trump, I'm saying the White House in general, all of the yeah. Yeah. minions, yeah. all the Kushners, the... <laughs> um, but, uh, when you talk about like the rest, it's like the CDC were the ones that created the flawed test and they didn't recognize it. They, they tried to shoot the moon and create a very complicated test instead of a very simple test. Right. They failed to recognize the emergent threat as in an, a threat that's about to become a major emergency. And Part A lot of that is to do with Trump blinding them, taking their boots off the ground and expecting them to perform. But once they had the instructions to make the test, the flawed test really did. Um, it, it hurt. It hurt a lot. Because yeah, and it, 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 it divided us as a nation. They used it as that because if we had instant testing around that time or we had that developed, we wouldn't be worried about killing friends who are unvaccinated. You know what I mean? Like we would know that we weren't going to be blamed well, this for was, infecting them. I mean, we got to go two two years back now, like two years and a month back. Two years. Are we talking about like the fight with mind. the Trump White House you and I had, where where, where he kept on yes. saying, "No, the coronavirus no liar." Remember nobody's died in America of, of of coronavirus, and we were like, "The first American has died of coronavirus," and he said, "No, but no Americans died of it." And we we're like, "Yes, an American has, just not on American soil because you kept that cruise ship off the shore of California." In the international yeah, well, water. I mean, that was just that was some petty political gamesmanship. But the truth is, is that, you know, Trump did not want tests. He did not want to show that there was a weakness or a problem or a failure or anything. And, and that drove the fail to be much worse than it should have been. But no, I'm, I'm sure. a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that where you start is where you finish in so many things in life. And, right. and that's where I say the CDC had a big fail there. Um, but that was two years ago, you know. But still, it just it hurts the overall grade. 
Um, and then I, I just, I, like I said, I mean, the leader should have immediately relocated to Atlanta. I'm sorry. If, if you put me in charge of a, a multi-billion dollar federal agency, I'm moving to the headquarters right away. Um, you know, I, I often said that I have a lot more real estate experience than Ben Carson. I should have been in charge of HUD. But you wouldn't catch me being like, well, I'm in charge of HUD, but I'm not going to go into that brutalist, ugly building uh, in L'Enfant Circle over in D.C. because it's too ugly for me or too far. Or I have to stay in Miami because the weather is definitely better here and I have things to do here. No, nah, man, I'd move. I'd move. And so that's that's a pretty big issue uh, in the grand scheme of things. And by the way, Amanda, thank you so much for the question. It's a great one. Does anybody else have an issue of the day that you want us to grade right here live on the report card? You, you feel free to call in, hit the call in button uh, in this podcast, and then we will check you if you're in the queue, and we will give you a shot at commenting. Right, so, and Amanda, thank you for thank you for joining us on this. And Grant, uh, I have a question for you. The uh, so so like, why did you decide? And this is a softball, I'll admit, but I I I want I want you to kind of plant a flag here. Like, why did you start Mass now? And and I'll be uh, honest. Like when Grant had first brought it up with me, I said, look at how pulled apart we are. Look at how much stuff we have to do. We we ended up doing almost a hundred ads uh, for the 2020 and 2021 cycle. And we were, you know, running one of the, running, well, yeah, running one of the biggest. That oh, that's after, right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, time flies. <laughs> anyways, so we, chronologically we, backwards. Yeah, this is so. Anyways, we're in. Uh, I think it was what 2019, early 2019. So we were gearing up for 2020, and we had to focus on so many different things, and everybody was trying to pull us in different directions. And I was like, but like that, that seems impossible, Grant. That doesn't seem like it's a, uh, it's really that easy. And uh, he said, of course, it's not easy. And and I was like, I just don't. I but there was something about it where he's like, just just listen, just listen. Let's let's try this out. Let's push this, and uh, we moved forward full speed. And I'll tell you, he shepherded this thing and saved. I mean, bottom line is, Grant, I'm gonna give you props. Like you saved lives, you saved American lives, you helped uh, give Thanks, clear Scott. a path for other people so that they would wear masks and had the messaging guidance to millions and millions of Americans, millions of people throughout the world, so that they could talk about it and not just be pummeled by Trump and his talking points, which were just awful. And it was hard to fight against that because it was constant. And, uh, you, you know, they hit so many fake accounts and everything online and their harassment and badgering. And it really made uh, everybody tough as nails. So anyways, I appreciate you, brother. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that was my uh, why, why did you decide to why did you decide to start it? Like, what was it that that made you feel like, no, this is something that we can really make a big difference with? So the Masks Now Coalition, uh, which the website is still there, masksnow.org, is something that uh, I helped found uh, in March of 2020 uh, after the lockdown started. Um, and then we, we created a 12,000-member organization nationally in every state and territory. Um, and, and the reason I, I thought it was an, a good idea is that I saw the big picture of what was happening, right? Um you know, there is no supply of masks. We have a respiratory disease. There are studies that say that masks help. And, you know, here we are, a novel virus and nothing to fight it with. A mask is the easiest thing you can use to fight this kind of the spread of a virus, right? And I was talking with a friend who uh, was the former emergency doctor. Um, she's retired. Her name is Dr. Kelly Senholtz. She's at MTNMD on Twitter. And 
and I was chatting with her and she said, Grant, you don't understand how serious this is. You know, think about what they're doing right now. Everything, uh, when somebody is about to die, but to keep them alive, they put them on a ventilator. And most of them are not doing well on these ventilators. But it's the only way that they have to treat things right now, today. I'm like, okay, and what's the point? She goes, well, you hear how they're talking about making more ventilators? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's like Dyson, the, the vacuum company, they're making more ventilators. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. And they, she said, well... You have to have people to run a ventilator. There can't be more than 100,000 ventilator technicians in all of America. And if this thing really blows up and it looks like it's going to, you're going to have more than 100,000 people hospitalized and maybe more than that needing ventilation. And I was like, that's really bad. And she said, on top of that, there's not even enough masks for the people in the hospitals right now. And I was like, that sounds like a really big concern. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. Because what happens if you start losing those medical professionals? Those people are like an army. And they're all that stand between us and a breakdown of the civilized order in our country that we have never imagined could possibly happen. Did you expect as much blowback from the initial push of it? Because I remember... No, I never imagined that it would become what this big political issue for these guys. And I gave multiple interviews saying how this is not political. I tried to invite... I invited somebody from Turning Point USA to join the group on the the, the steering committee. I remember that. to, To try and, you know, like, get some more people involved, make it a universal thing. I think they um, considered. I think they thought about it, right? Like it, I hope it was, so. I hope yeah. so. I mean, you know, it, it was a genuine offer. I mean, it's just about uh, public health. I mean, I contacted Republicans during that time and, and asked for help. Um, yep. You know, it, it's just that, I mean, let's, let's be real here. You know, there was a, a man in a, a white house far away from most of us who just decided, hey, this thing is bad for me politically, so I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. And now right. I'm going to demand everybody in my circle pretend it doesn't exist. And you saw, I'm going to call it the Mitch McConnell effect. People like Mitch McConnell, uh, people like a lot of the Republicans, most of them that are left in the party, not registered Republicans, but the people that are in the Republican Party, right? The, the members of the party, the members of the, the elected classes, they're like, hey, party overall, you know? Um, right. So that, that, that's where that came from. And, and I just wanted to add that, you know, it, it was an incredible experience. We handed out hundreds of thousands, if not close to a million masks. We created a blueprint for people to make masks at home from T-shirts, which was one of my big goals. My goal was to help people uh, create their own masks when there was a short supply. But the, the thing that really motivated me was I was like, look, you're going to have millions of people out of work. Right. We need to create a self-replicating public service organization that helps people make these masks. It helps public health. And on top of that, when people are sitting on a quarantine, they're going to have plenty of time. And I know there's communities of people out there that sew. they call themselves sewists, by the way, not sewers. And, uh, you know, this is something where we can, uh, you know, create a community 
give people something to do during this terrible time. Let them take action to help their own communities. And most importantly, uh, to, to help protect our medical professionals first and foremost, and then spread this out into the community. And to do so, we decided that the most important thing was actually to normalize mask wearing. And we needed to also, you know, we needed volunteers, we needed resources. Um, and so that's why uh, Scott and I worked really hard to produce some amazing spots with Ron Perlman, who is amazing, by the way. All he did was read my script. He's just literally reading it. I'm sure he's like sitting there with a phone, like reading like one phone talking to the other. And he is so amazing. That is the best PSA I've ever recorded. Um, you know, <laughs> we have somebody who wants to, to thank you and also say hello. Uh, Peter, in the bottom left, there's a mute button. and Just hit that button and you will be able to talk. And, and I want to thank Emily Hampshire as well and Martina Navratilova. Oh, and, yeah, that's and so right. So many people, so many people got involved. It was such a great effort. And eventually, when we were talking to people, uh, we were talking to the CDC. We actually spoke to the, the co-heads of policy coordinating the response at the CDC in March of 2020. They called our project very important. They actually gave us some tips that helped us create a better mask blueprint for people to make three-layer masks. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Well, you're welcome. Hopefully you can hear me. This is the first time yep, I've we, used this. We, we can hear you loud and clear, brother. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there, just like yeah. we all are. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for, for doing this. I'm I'm just, I don't know, I'm just, uh, I'm just like, like all of you, just wading through all of this, trying to, to call people out. And um, I mean, I, I mostly fight for healthcare. And then uh, there's all those intersections that I seem to get involved with, like today, like for instance. All right, so I have a, I have a two-part question for you. Since okay, I, you I want two make, grades. I, Who are we two grading? Two grades, two separate grades for the same person because there's two different, uh, two different things. Well, this uh, law that, uh, Grant, your governor uh, just signed uh, to make – uh, abortion past Florida's 15 weeks of legal. Yes, yes, that's governor. my first. So I want you to grade that. And then I want you to grade his uh, passing the, uh, the quote unquote, don't say gay bill, which is now seems to making its in way, in, inroads in Colorado, where uh, a school district or school board, excuse me, is uh, considering uh, not teaching LGBTQ history. So those are my two questions. Okay. Uh, so I think that um, both Scott and I will weigh in like one at a time, and then I'll, I'll go in and, and explain a little more about being a Florida man and not like a okay. governor person. So Scott, uh, DSG bill, grade it. I mean, it's a, it's an F minus. And, and I, I would just say that uh, – you know, the not teaching any part of uh, gay history per se is not teaching history. Like acting like an entire group of Americans don't exist is absolutely ridiculous. It's going to release uneducated, uninformed, ignorant uh, people to the world, and they're being lied to. You know, at that point. So I, I think it's absolutely 
disgusting, um, you know, beyond an F minus, F minus, 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 minus. Not only that, like, you know, I, I mean, my friends that in the LGBTQIA plus community, they all, they're, they're disturbed by it and it hurts them. It hurts them it, it mentally, physically, uh, and it pisses me the F off to see that because you, you, why do you intentionally try to hurt people? It is disturbing and disgusting. You don't need to do that. You don't need to intentionally inflict pain on people and their families and everybody they stand for. My friends who have kids, you know, one of our closer friends has five kids, and he's gay, and all of a sudden he's a pariah in Florida? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't add up, and I think this is going to backfire at the polls as it should be. Um, so that's my my uh, score there. I know that's a very long winded score, but uh, that's really his, long. His grade F minus 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 minus. That's an F with five minuses. Okay, so you know, I I just think that uh, F is not a, a a bad enough grade for this. I'm going to grade it an H for homophobia. <laughs> oh, that's good okay. If if you heard the state senator Baxley, Dennis Baxley from the the uh, Tampa Bay area, who sponsored the bill talk about why he thought we needed this kind of terrible bill um he said it's to keep people from coming out wow i'm like my dude like how is that helping the world (laughs) i mean maybe you need to consider the meanings of this you know like maybe you should just personally consider it and then write some other bills that don't personally concern you right um, but, but I mean, the, the real point of this is that it's scapegoating and, and that's, what's so horrible about it. Um, that's, what's so insidious about it. And the fact that they like to call, uh, this state free Florida, um, I, I feel like I'm living in like Soviet Florida and that, I actually coined that term. I, I start, I tweet out in Soviet Florida, you know, homos you. I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, like a crazy thing, but this is, uh, it's it's unimaginable for me as somebody who grew up here in the laissez-faire capital of the world. Anything goes. I mean, South Beach, right? South Beach was the capital of gay America for decades. And now here you have this where it's like, uh, you know, just this draconian imposition of uh, it really a theocracy. It's really a theocratic move because – um, people that want to force their beliefs on others are, are doing this and it's just, it's so, so wrong. And I, I mean, I'll just say this. I have a four-year-old daughter and she's always talking about boys and girls and this and that. And it's like, that's the normal time when kids talk about this stuff, they start becoming sentient and they talk about this stuff. So this is really a direct strike at, at many, many thousands, millions of Americans really. Um, it's it's a direct strike, and it's leveled at the, the the youngest generation to harm people down the road. I think this is insidious, but I also think that Democrats need to start considering uh, what we're going to restrict talking about in schools if this is the case, if this is how it is. And we need to be like, hey, you know, the real culture war here is we're going to say we're not going to teach anybody about, about guns or wars until they turn 18. Okay, hey, you know. Let's do that. Oh, oh, you want to drop your opposition to this and just, hey, let's all talk about reality and share one reality? I'm, I'm okay with that, right? I am okay with that. 
Um, you know, we're starting to see it right now in California. They're talking about doing a, a gun bounty law. And I'm against the abortion bounties. I don't want gun bounties either. Like, let's just, you know, stop using government as a lever to punish people, right? I, I think it's wrong. I think it's big government at its very, very worst. And then, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about the, the abortion restrictions, and, and that's a good lead-in. Um, so I'm going to give them a uh, capital G for big, 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 big government when it comes to that. I mean, Republicans spent an entire generation complaining about how terrible big Republic, uh, big government is. And here they are, and they're the worst big government I've ever seen. And this is nothing new. George W. Bush was a big government Republican. Donald Trump governed as a big government Republican. That is their M.O. Scott, what grade do you give uh, the Florida legislature and, and Ron DeSantis for that? Well, honoring the last name Dworkin, um, you, know, you know, we have a history of feminism in our family. And I, I would just say, like, it's another thing where they're intentionally trying to make people feel uncomfortable. But not only is it beyond that, it's it's just a it's an understanding that they don't understand science. They don't understand basic science. And it's a, another example of, uh, you know, mediocre or less than mediocre or evil, uh, you know, white dudes who think that they can lead and speak for women. And it, it's just not their choice. Like, it's not it's it's. They, it, I guess they act like this, have this control over women or they need it. Um, and this old, like hundreds of years old, subservient woman must walk behind the men, like that kind of thing. And it's just absolutely like I don't understand what they're going to get out of it except for a big backlash again at the polls. And before I forget about this, I, I know that I've been asked this question three times in the last few minutes when we brought up DeSantis is do you think that he can win re-election without Disney support and without after passing these? Can he still win in Florida? I think he can still win, but without Disney support, it's going to make it a lot more difficult. Um, if Disney decides to weigh in and help out a Democrat, that would be a, a massive sea change. If they just step do nothing, that's still a major negative for his campaign. It's been a real pleasure chatting with everybody in the room and of course, making our very first report card podcast. I'm your co-host, Grant Stern. I'm your co-host, Scott Dworkin. And we'll be back next week. So please subscribe, like our channel, like us individually, follow us. And of course, you can always hang on to uh, follow us on Twitter every day if you want to see what we're up to. And keep reporting, guys.